In today's episode of Fintech First, I interview Sean Grossman, co-founder of Momo Credit, whose sole mission is to make your credit card work for you and not for your bank. Listen in to hear more about how he started the company, built first version, then went to build MVP and raise funds for his consumer fintech company, together with his co-founder Austin Nick Peel. Welcome to the podcast. Um, today we're going to talk about Momo Credit and how you found it and your path over past year and plus. And uh, yeah, so can you share more how you started the whole company? I know that you're working on this very hard with your co-founder and you recently had a product uh, hand lo- uh, launch and uh, a bunch of other things. So how did you start the whole thing in the first place? Yeah, well, firstly, I mean, thanks for having me. This is awesome, and I really appreciate this. It was great getting to meet you in OnDeck, and, you know, this is one of the many benefits of the OnDeck community. Um, so, uh, yeah, but getting into Momo. Uh, so I graduated from college a few years back, um, got really, really deep in the world of credit cards, and all my friends around me thought I was losing my mind. Um, <laughs> I was spending hours reading subreddits, uh, analyzing most uh, recent up-to-date rewards, uh, and just getting really, really down to the gritty of it, where I'd say, like, my friend was about to pay with the debit card and, like, pull back their hand, and I'd be like, wait a second, you have a credit card that's giving 3% back this month. Let's let's use a different card. And they got really annoyed with me because they were like, well, what are you doing? Um, but so uh, what I realized with credit cards, and for a lot of my peers, what they didn't understand was just, like, the way that we talk about credit cards right now, there's a lot of stigmas around them, right? We have this rise of debit cards that are credit or credit cards that are debit cards that act like debit cards. And we see this like whole new journey of things like this mm. coming to market. And what it really plays on is just people not being financially, you know, literate enough to understand the benefits of credit cards, um, which was a really scary trend that we were seeing within the industry. So I built out this Excel, Microsoft uh, Excel spreadsheet that you would upload your statements into. And then from all my different credit cards that I had, so in that first year of opening all these cards, I opened about 17 different cards. Um, oh, yeah. 17. <laughs> like I said, I got very, very deep <laughs> into it. Uh, and uh, so after I did that, I was sending around this Excel sheet that all of my affiliate links, because I recognized that the second way to capture money on you know credit cards was having friends sign up for them. So I sent around this Excel sheet where they click my link and it would tell them, you know, which of the credit cards that I had would be best for them. And what I was doing, and all I was simply doing was translating all these, you know, gamified rewards into quantitative numbers and hard dollars so that they can understand if you open this card, you would make this much money. And that was the genesis of Momo. And like you said, yeah, we've been at this for a year now, um, almost, nice. which is How awesome. does it feel one year later? Like you'd be oh, like lots of different things. It feels really good. There was a lot of learnings very early on and a lot of hard lessons that we've learned and we're still learning and still learning to undo. Um, but it feels great. Um, I don't think we've ever been in a better spot with the company. What, what was the easiest part to convert from the Excel to, to an actual uh, mobile app? So uh, actually, there's one step before we went to a mobile app. Uh, when we launched Momo 1.0, uh, it was this black to white gradient screen. It was a web app at the time. Uh, and I remember was, the test flight, but I guess it was later, right? Yeah, yep, yeah. You got the test flight a while later. I think the test flight came out in December. This was around um, maybe like June of last year, so it was even before nice. we went full time on it. Was this black to white gradient screen and said, "All right, guys, give us all of your bank account information." People were like, "Well, wait a second. <laughs> and nobody went through it. I think we sent it to about fifty of our friends, and we maybe had thirteen that said, "All right, like you guys have security practices in place, right? You're yeah. not just starting my username and password somewhere. Like, please let me know if I need to change my bank accounts." Um, 
So uh, then we built this street out. We realized that you can't build a, a consumer fintech tool without design being at the very, very core of what hmm. you're building. I mean, it was essential to even the problem that we're solving. You know, but it's worked, right? Uh, so the the web page should not work at all. Uh, we huh. like I said, we got about 13 users uh, that went through after setting about the 50 people. But we realized that design was imperative, and then that the other trend that was happening in the industry was that more credit card applications were coming from phones and tablets than they were from desktops at this point. Um, hmm. So we decided, you know, we're going to capture that trend. NerdWall is embedded in the SEO space for, you know, just computers and desktop searching. And we saw a huge opportunity to be the mobile way of buying your next credit card. Nice. So let's gear for a second. Like, I know that you have a co-founder, Austin, and you actually yep. based in Austin. So it's a great coincidence. <laughs> I'm curious, how did you guys meet in the first place? Was it before the company or during the company? How, how did it go? So me and Austin actually grew up together. Uh, we're oh. both from Eastern PA. He was my childhood best friend. Uh, he went to school at University of Maryland. I went to school in Pittsburgh. The summer of uh, our junior year in college, we both moved down to D.C. I guess he didn't really move too far, but I, I moved pretty far. Uh, I moved from Pittsburgh to D.C. And uh, we lived together. We were, both knew we kind of want to start businesses. We didn't know the problem we wanted to solve. And we knew a really bad way to start a business was to have no problem whatsoever. Um, so we were waiting for the right problem to come. And we were bouncing ideas off each other for about a year of, you know, what it would be. Hmm. We started maybe Was like, it during pandemic or before pandemic? What was that? Sorry. Was it during pandemic or before the pandemic? Before the pandemic. Yep. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so long story short, we were childhood friends. Then uh, he went to become an engineer out at Airbnb in Seattle. Um, I went to a Microsoft spin out uh, in Seattle. And then we were like, look, you know, it's time to take this thing to the next level. And we went full time on Momo. And yeah. Nice. Can you talk yeah. more about the decision going like from the previous corporate job into the full time founder thing? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's two sides of it. Like, um, there was the company was moving really slow and it's really hard to iterate. We mm -hmm. hired two interns that summer and, uh, the interns were, you know, working really hard, but we didn't have enough direction for them. And by the time, you know, at an early stage start, things changed so quickly that by the time we'd give them a project, it would be, you know, the project yeah. would have changed my requirements. Um, so there was just the, the project, you know, we saw an opportunity here. We wanted to capture it. Um, we wanted to be the tool that was doing this. Um, mm -hmm. and we just weren't moving fast enough. Um, from like the decision to jump full time on Momo and like what that really looked like from a personal level, um, we saved aggressively to be able to do it. We were bootstrapped when we went full time on Momo entirely. Come on, did you use, um, did you use your own product to save the money? Yep, well, use my own product. Yeah, the, in the first year of credit card churning, I made about like ten thousand dollars in rewards, which was great. Oh, wow. um, so it definitely helped being able to go full time on Momo. Um, yeah, and so from the personal side, Austin was then working at a YC startup. You know got more clarity, you know, that he wanted to be in the startup ecosystem. I was trying to launch a startup pro partner program and like uh, early partner program at the Microsoft spin out, a company called Acumatica. And I loved what I was doing. And then one day we had the interns out in Seattle. And I remember I was just sitting there. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, what I really want to do. And I'm kind of wasting my time doing other things. So, you know, a lot of privilege and a lot of, you know, hard work I was able to get there. So now you're actually doing this thing. So how did, how differently does it feel compared to what you were thinking before back then? Uh, I thought back then I really knew business. And now I recognize I know absolutely nothing about business. And it's a, a learning curve, a very steep learning curve. Um, but it feels great. I mean, it, it, like I, I would recommend to anyone who like, you know, feels like they're kind of stagnating at work to just find what is the most interesting thing they can possibly be doing at the time and go after that. And for me, that was starting a business and starting a business in the credit card space. It was a space that was super important to me personally. And yeah.
Nice. And they should use your product to save money to go. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. If they want to check it out for sure. We're awesome. available on the Apple app store and the Android uh, play or the Google play store. Yeah. I, I saw the product on lunch. I'm curious. How did it go? Like I saw the app, right? That you pushed up to the app store. So I turned on the product hunt. I'm curious, like you obviously getting the early traction. Can you share any numbers behind the scenes? Yeah. Um, so I won't go into raw numbers, but what I will say, uh, the, the product on launch went very well. We ended up getting featured in the newsletter. Um, cool. One of our biggest concerns prior going into the uh, the uh, product on launch was we'd have a relapse of the same thing that happened when we launched that black to white grading screen where we'd be sending to people and no one would want to link their bank accounts. But what we actually saw is about 85% of our users link their bank accounts and complete onboarding through Momo. Um, wow, so nice. great numbers. It was our largest individual day of credit card signups ever in company history too. Um, so it was a massive win and yeah, we're getting ready for the next step too. another launch coming up. Oh, can, can you share more details on the next launch? Sure. Yeah. So we're going to be doing for the next launch is going to other, um, forums and, uh, that are common in the credit card space. Um, our, our thought process behind starting with product hunt was, uh, we wanted to start to those that are closest to us. So we did a LinkedIn launch like a month back. Um, and that was like our most immediate network. And then. We went to a product hunt launch, which was a lot of startup founders who understand, you know, the startup ecosystem, understand what we're trying to achieve, understand that, you know, sometimes buttons don't work exactly the way you want them to <laughs> yeah. when you click them. Uh, and so then now what we're doing is getting ready to gear up on our slash credit cards for a launch there. So it's a community of about 825,000 people uh, and we'll be launching uh, there at the end of this month. Wow. Sounds so. like amazing opportunity. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Very excited. <laughs> okay, can you give an advice like to other fintech founders in the consumer space? What what kind of channels did work for you when you launched your product? And you mentioned that LinkedIn, right? The product hunt, Reddit, like others. What worked well? What didn't work? As you expect. Absolutely. So I think there's uh, two parts to this question. Um, what works well is you know solving a real problem that is a hair on fire problem for people. If it's not a problem that like people are actively looking for a solution for, they might tell you, you know, like, oh, this is really cool. I would use this. This is a really cool way to think about how much I'm spending on Starbucks every single month. But if it's not, they're actively looking for a solution there. It's, you know, unfortunately just not going to make it um, because, you know, it's not enough of an issue for someone to go to an app store, download a link, and then, you know, go through and utilize, you know, what your app for the purpose that it has. In terms of channels, what worked well for us, um, it, there was no single channel, to be honest. Um, and a lot of companies in the consumer fintech space, and this was one of the earliest misconceptions I had about starting a uh, consumer fintech, was that you're building this um, company that works for uh, a certain person. But really what you're building is a brand. And so much of that comes to every single brand having a different channel that works. We can take, for example, Sequin, um, or Sequin, sorry. Uh, they were a YC winner 21 company that offered... offered um, uh, premium benefits uh, for credit cards, simply targeted to female audiences. And at first glance, I was like, well, this concept doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you have a credit card that is simply offering, you know, its audience to females? And then I was thinking about it a little bit more. And what I realized is that the way that credit cards are so often branded is they're not towards a female audience. Even in the, our audience, we're seeing 88% male. Um, so to build a product that specifically has a distribution uh, strategy, and feeling that resonates with a specific demographic is so essential. So yeah, we're seeing the same thing with a bunch of uh, new banks, especially in the consumer space as yeah. well. Absolutely, you see a lot of these new banks come to fruition that have this background specifically, you know, within serving a specific demographic. Yeah, I'm curious, what is the next like 
product expansion in your case, like you obviously got the footprint right in the small mm -hmm. part of the market and you're growing, right? You're going to do this like huge launch next. I'm curious, feature-wise, product-wise, where do you want to grow further? Absolutely. So we want to get to the point where we're the most accurate way for you to get a credit card on the internet. And I would say by the end of this month, we'll be there. Um, I feel very confident and transparent in saying that. Um, right now, we are the most accurate way to figure out which credit card will be best for you and your goals. Um, but what we're not at yet is the most understandable. So we can tell you all this information, but we have not achieved the part where, you know, our users understand exactly why we're making the recommendations that we are. You know, if you just opened a credit card last month, why are we telling you don't open a credit card this month? It's not very clear at a first glance. Well, in yeah. the long run, what your goals are, opening a credit card will be detrimental to them. Yeah. Um, so there's the right time for that. And so the next features that we're looking to build out are those um, that help you understand what Momo is recommending. And so you can actually understand your finances and have this visual walkthrough because I don't think that's something that a lot of companies do well yet. Interesting. So can you can you explain this from the consumer point of view? How would they go and do this walkthrough that you think is going to be like the next thing for you? Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> the walkthrough that we're implementing is very similar to the Spotify wrapped tour oh. uh, at the end of the year. So where you see all your you know music that you've listened to, you've seen how that's many smart. hours you spent. And we want to give you that exact same feeling with your credit cards and, you know, where you're spending your money. We want to tell you, look, you spent $3,000 at grocery stores last year. You know, this might be a car, an area where you want to prioritize getting a credit card that supports rewards in. Uh, because right now you're only making this much. Or we want to tell you that, look, you've opened three credit cards in the past 12 months. Right now, it might not be the right time for you to do it. Here's your most recent applications. Here's how if you were to open a new credit card, we imagine it'll affect your credit score. Um, nice. Getting very transparent with that. I love, I love the one line of like Spotify for your credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. That's the, that's the next wave. Uh, Spotify does a great job um, of telling you where you spent so much time on the app and where you were listening to your music. And uh, that's something that we need to recreate because, you know, until users can understand um, and people can understand where they're spending the money, why would they get another credit card? Yeah, yeah. So how did you come up with this idea to actually show the breakdown like on their spending? Like, did you do the interviews? How, how did you get this insight? Uh, so the breakdown that's currently live or the breakdown that we're going to be showing? The cool one. The cool, <laughs> the cool one. All right. Uh, so the way we got the, the inspiration for that was a lot of users would come onto the tool. There's actually one of my good friends. Uh, he went through Momo. And the way that we're unfortunately conditioned to look at credit cards in the industry is they're just advertisements, right? You see a NerdWall ad and it's like, here's 60,000 free points. And you're like, well, is that even for me? Like, can I get approved for that? And we've sort of conditioned this uh, industry and every consumer, I think these ads are just lies. Um, and what we found was that when we were making these recommendations, we weren't showing the user how they were going to earn this money. We were just telling them they would earn this money and we need to help them understand how they were going to do such. Oh, that's interesting. Do you think you could, you're going to be able to change the perspective of uh, seeing those ads and seeing those lies, actually getting actionable insights on what to do with credit cards? Absolutely. That's our goal. Our goal is to be placed as your bank. So right now, banks, um, have misaligned interest. They want to make money on fees. They want to make money on, you know, account balances, everything, yeah. <laughs> uh, change. We don't want that. We want you to make the most of your money. We'll charge a user subscription for this. Um, mm -hmm. But what we'll do is we'll help you become financially optimal without ever having to think about it. Nice. Um, so let's go deeper on the business model. How do you plan to make money? Like you obviously touched point on the subscriptions, but you also get lots, lots of data, right? And you have ads on the other side. I'm curious, what are the channels that you considering to go with like in the long term? Yeah. So uh, in the long term, uh, user subscription, um, we want to, you know, if you're going to pay money to eight, you're going to pay $500 for a premium annual fee card. 
we, you know, believe that we can charge a fee to make sure that that annual fee card that you're at least, you know, using will, will be worth it. And you're making money Smart. on that. Um, and yeah, same with Trueville, you know, you cancel your subscriptions. They charge you there. Same with us. You know, we help you become financially optimal. We charge yeah. there. So it's almost um, like an Amazon Prime model, like where you need to buy in, right? Actually use it. Absolutely. Yep. Interesting. Exactly. Do you have any aspirations to move into actually creating a credit card by yourself? Um, It's not something that we haven't talked about, but it's a, a big business within itself. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, so, you know, in three years down the line, I won't be surprised if we have one. Um, But in the next two years, I wouldn't expect, you know, something like that. I think the way that we'd actually go about it um, is we would probably go down the debit card offering side. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think interchange is going to be something here for many years. And I think, you know, even Visa oh, yeah. and Matt mastercard are you know beginning to pick up on this trend you know as we move towards DeFi coming in i'm not certain that this will be the continued way to pay small business doesn't need to pay two and a half percent because you're using credit card that's something yeah. that we should um so i don't think interchange is a sustainable business model in the long run um but i think lending against your balance is um so that might be something we're interested in a few years but again not today interesting so um, let's gear back for a second. Like you talked about talking, uh, building a brand, right? And you have already a bunch of consumers sign up in the waitlist and using the app. Congrats. Um, what is the main like common denominator between all those users that sign up and using your product so far? Yeah, the a common denominator that we're finding is, um, you know, from a demographic perspective, they're users that are financially literate. They understand their finances, um, you know, starting with someone that, you know, needs a lot more coaching before isn't necessarily, you know, the earliest adopter of your product is where we want to get to, uh, but not where we're at today. Um, other common characteristics are, you know, they know that credit cards can make a lot of money, but they don't know how and investing hours to learn about it. It's just not what they want. Um, you know, if you can get a recommendation that just shows you this is the one with the highest number and this will earn you the most rewards, we believe that's kind of the future that they're leaning towards as long as they can understand why. Rather yeah. than read this nerd wallet article, watch this YouTube video, watch, you know, or read this deep Reddit thread then that talks about all the different ways you can transfer these points. It's not what they want. Uh, the information just needs to come to you. Um, and that's what I think a lot of our users are looking for. Nice. And I guess like last time we, we spoke, like you've been talking about the Gen Z generation, right? About the college Absolutely. students and so on. I'm curious what what, what age, like the average age of users so far? So average age right now is about 28 on our tool. Um, uh, we have about 60% male, 40% female users. Um, and we are looking to move towards Gen Z a little bit more. A Gen Z is going to go through this part where they, you know, right now have, I believe, like 1.8 credit cards, two credit cards uh, on average. And they're going to be moving away from their student cards. They need a card they're, re they're ready for, you know, their first rewards cards. I'm the very beginning of Gen Z, so I'm 25 right now. Um, and they're going to be looking to get into the first, you know, premium rewards card, the card that pays them for when they're traveling for work as a consultant or in tech, you know, yeah. um, and we want to help them find their next credit card. Interesting. So this positioning, how is it going to impact your launch and growth strategies? Like you're going to launch this like huge um, channel with 825,000 people, right? And yeah. then moving forward, how do you plan to utilize this knowledge, right, of addressing this need with the audience? Absolutely. So in the long run, what we'd hope to be is the only FinTech app that you need to install on your phone. We'll help you. Ooh, super app. <laughs> super app, yep. Uh, it gives me chills when you say it. Uh, exactly. So, so we'll avoid saying that. But, you know, we want to replace your JP Moore, your Chase app. We want to replace your Discover app. We want to replace your True Bill. We want to replace your Credit Karma. And we want to offer all this, you know, personalized information in the wrapper of Momo. Um, so all this information for you and bring it centralized to us. 
Oh, that's exciting. I'm curious in the back office of this whole operations, like with, with the data, obviously you all just saw the privacy issue, right? Like that you had in the very beginning with the black, black and white uh, application. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm curious, what, what are the next tech challenges that you've seen, you know, coming your way, like building out the product, you know, the, the growth scale and other pieces? Yeah. Um, so in terms of privacy, um, you know, we believe your data is your data. So we, we don't sell your data. We don't monetize on your data. Um, that's not our plan. Um, or an angle that we're really looking to take. I don't think it's one that will age well either. Um, so I think, you know, the current companies that do that are in for a rude awakening. Um, and then, sorry, what was the second part of that question there? Yes, as you scale your product, right, you, you're going to face different technical challenges, kind of like in the very beginning, yeah. I assume you're using Plaid, like in a bunch of other similar tools, yeah. right? Yeah. You're going to accumulate more and more data, right? And you want a great mission, right, to personalize that experience for the end user, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what kind of challenges you, you anticipate in the long run. So there's some scaling costs when you know uh, we're looking to integrate with Orem. Uh, I describe Orem as bill pay for Plaid or Plaid for bill pay, I mean, which will allow us to move money in between your accounts. Um, so that there's some scaling costs there. Uh, we're in the process of becoming credentialed by the bureaus. So we'll have all right. your bureau data um, and we'll be able to see, okay, here's your history of credit cards. We'll allow our recommendations to be much more accurate. We'll see if you downgrade from a card previously, we won't just recommend it to you because you won't be approved for it. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of scaling costs of the data and acquiring that data. Um, I think in the long run, there's an opportunity for us to, you know, rebuild some of that infrastructure in house. Um, but that's, you know, a five year plus mission. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And, um, in the near term, do you see yourself working like with a B2B, like with other banks and, you know, more close relationships, you know, actually letting users use credit cards? Uh, no, uh, I think we see ourselves in the long run as a B2C product, um, it's the niche that we're building out. Um, I think maybe there's a B2B distribution angle that we could consider. Um, but uh, I, I made famous, I guess, by Dropbox there, where you know Dropbox started as a B2C company, and then the founder realized the best way to build a B2C company was have a B2B distribution model. So yeah. I think uh, there's a way that we can partner with employers to make sure that their employees aren't financially stressed um, and anxious, you know, worried about if they're going to be able to pay bills in between, and you know, can they afford daycare. Um, yep. You know, I think there's an angle for us to partner there, uh, but no, not necessarily. I think there's a lot of organic channels that we can continue to, you know, build on. And we, we really like to get to as a referral strategy um, mm -hmm. where people are referring their friends to Momo after, you know, they get value from the tool. So you mean like a usual like word of mouth or do you actually incentivize them to do the referral? Uh, incentivize, very similar to Morning Brew style. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, would be yep, the goal. Yep. Exciting. Uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned the Morning Brew. I'm curious, like, you have a huge competitor as a nerd wallet, like a bunch of other yeah. smaller, and they're all doing lots of different content. And you really great with product, right? Technically, and you already have the traction. I'm curious if you're going to step in the same kind of field to level it. So the way these competitors make money is by removing clarity. That's not our goal. They have a lot of unnecessary information and bloat that mm -hmm. uh, makes it really hard for you to decipher what actually is relevant to you. Like imagine, you know, you just graduated college and you're trying to figure out whether you should invest money first into an IRA or you should move money into a 401k. You read an article online, right? And it says a 401k is the best thing in the world. You read a Reddit thread and it says you need to be doing an IRA or else you're going to mess up and you'll never be able to retire. We don't want to do that. that. That's not our goal. Our goal is to tell you, you know, if you do this, you will be financially optimal and move your money in between your accounts. So very much if this, then that for money movement would be yeah. a goal of ours. Interesting. So in the long run, do you see them, you know, optimizing this financially optimal state or is it going to be like all AI ML driven on your end? 
Uh, definitely SMA IML driven on our end. Absolutely. Our model will continue to grow. Like you said, with the data that we're using, uh, it'll continue to grow and, you know, we'll be able to see back from transactions as we get more access to bank accounts. Uh, we'll see and be confirmed with, you know, we're making the right recommendation and provide a positive point to our data leak, um, and continue down that path. Nice. Exciting. Awesome. I think we touched like on all the main points. I'm curious, uh, last time we spoke, you were doing the, the fundraising, uh, for your company. Um, yep. I'm curious when when it's going to be the next round. <laughs> oh, that's that's a good question. Um, it's uh, something we're not thinking about right now. And you know, with our previous round, uh, we you know realized that what we need to do is build the company. Um, you know, we had our successful raise, and I think we'll probably gear up to aim again maybe at the end of the year. But it's really you know once we have the confidence that this is the right product in the right direction and that users yeah. want. Um, but yeah, short answer maybe end of the year. Makes sense. Uh, well, obviously, you've seen like what's happening in the fintech space in general with relations, you know, like in pre-IPO Absolutely. companies. I'm curious, um, what is your take on this? Yeah, um, it's. I mean, it's not exclusive to just the fintech sector. Oh, yeah. um, so, and at the stage we're at, uh, it feels like valuations are a lot more um, art than they are science. Um, so uh, later stage. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, later stage, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit. It's more of a scary time to be a, like a Series A, Series B fintech company. You know, taking these valuations. Um, I think you know we we are seeing a market adjustment where maybe Klarna was super overvalued. Um, and you know, I think that's okay. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> um, but then in terms of what we're doing, even on our end, before we actually closed the round, uh, we decided, you know, that we really wanted to make sure that our earliest investors would return multiples. So we actually decreased the cap in which we were raising it mm-hmm. right before the round closed, uh, retroactively gave all of our investors the best uh, price. Um, and yeah, we want to be well positioned to go into this no matter Smart. what the climate is. And you did the pre-seed or seed? Our pre-seed. Great. So what would be your recommendation to other fellow fintech consumer founders, right? Like that are raising, let's say, this 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 winter. Yeah. What should they do? Uh, focus on metrics. Um, I mean, if your business can't survive without metrics, it's going to be a really hard time, or without you, uh, you know, millions of users, and you, that's kind of the path where you have to build this uh, FOMO business where you have all these users and no real metrics and no real signs of growth. Um, it's going to be really hard to raise, I think. Yeah. Um, but for those that are, you know, building these businesses that, you know, start by making a thousand dollars, then move up to ten thousand dollars, then move up to a hundred thousand dollars, there's gonna be someone that wants to invest and, in, you know, be on your journey from, you know, even one thousand to ten thousand, then surely from ten thousand to a hundred thousand. Um, so focus on metrics, I'd say, um, is a big piece of advice I have. Great answer. I'm curious, like in your case, do you track those metrics in the background? Like, do you have like any special dashboard? Is it more like, you know, a manual process when you go through the numbers? um in terms of how we're looking at our numbers and our users kind of how do you track your metrics like you obviously have like lots of different data points right like the mrr you know the user tracks like the obvious and basic ones i'm curious if you go deeper than that uh yeah um to some degree we use pride to track our financials and our burn um mm-hmm. it's a great tool right out of the box you know you see every all of the key metrics you need about your business in terms of user interactions uh it's something that we it was one of the biggest mistakes we made with momo um, we didn't have very great tracking, uh, even up to our product hunt launch. After our product hunt launch, we installed uh, some great tools uh, that helped us understand our users a little better. But previously, what we were doing is uh, calling our users. Uh, they would get a text message from me. Uh, and <laughs> still, even to date, they're getting text messages from me where I'm just saying, hey, you know, I really appreciate you checking out the tool. Can I buy you a coffee for 15 minutes of your time? Um, <laughs> so I'd recommend every founder does that to any oh, yeah. point. 
that's the best way to talk to the users. Absolutely. So did, did you go like with Google Analytics or something more specific like for your tracking? Uh, for tracking, we're using Mixpanel. Um, we, we use Google Analytics. Um, uh, we're using Segment. Uh, we're using Hotjar. We're using this awesome startup um, right now called AirSnap as well for mobile session replay. Hmm. Uh, so I really recommend it out to anyone who's you know starting in the mobile space. Yep. Nice. Like um, when users sign up, like I check out the application uh, on the App Store, the the new one, um, and it looks like there's like always like you know with, with all the consumer fintechs, you have to opt in right with the data point. I'm curious, do you utilize the analytics to understand that kind of like funnel better, like where they break out and where they actually continue opting? Yeah, of course, yep. Uh, right now, we are heavily only focusing on top of funnel. Um, for someone to go all the way through with credit card signups is something you know a little bit too far for us. And we started there, we'd be. Uh, chalking a ball five miles and saying, go get it versus, you know, just chalking it, you know, 300 feet and four and go and get it. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, st starting with top of funnel is essential, especially for early stage fintech, uh, fintech founders, you know, get people to download your tool. Once they start downloading your tool, get them to sign up for your, uh, create an account. Uh, very early with Momo, we actually saw people were downloading the tool um, on our LinkedIn launch day. We had uh, maybe uh i'd say probably about a little around under 100 downloads on the off post um and uh our conversion was about like you know 30 percent from creating an account and we were like well what is going on here um it's really good know, for linkedin yeah yeah we, we had someone go all the way through signing up download and then they got to the you know create an account and they just weren't doing it and now we're seeing you know we we optimized that we reworked how we were displaying the information there uh, and now we're seeing all the way through credit card sign, which is a few steps down funnel even, uh, or not, sorry, not credit card sign, account linking, uh, which is a few steps down funnel. We're seeing 82.5% of our users or about 85% of our users, you know, linking well, their bank. Sounds like this, your strategy about the UX pays off. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, And being a design forward company, especially in the consumer space is incredibly important. I'd recommend for early stage founders to just really, really understand the jobs to be done framework. Um, there's a book I'm actually reading right now, and it's replaced my zero to one uh, as best and favorite startup book. It's called When Coffee and Kale Compete um, by Alan Clement. And anyone that's building in the B2C fintech space should absolutely read it. Um, awesome. Because it will make a lot of sense as to you know, why I'm saying, you know, there's a, total, a giant market for sec when, when a month ago I was saying, I don't know why someone built this company. Awesome. We're going to include this in the description for the podcast. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yep. Um, let's gear back it. For last time, um, you mentioned Clarina and obviously like their problems are not our problems, which we're lucky not to have. Uh, but I'm curious about their product, the BNPL, buy now, pay later. Like it, you see, it seems like you are perfectly positioned at some point, you know, to get in, in the same-ish market. I'm curious, like obviously, you know, the bunch of founders have different opinions about this market. I'm curious, what is your take? Yeah, I really dislike the buy now, pay later market. Um, I think we are uh, just marginalizing people that don't necessarily understand payments. And it's just, you know, what we're seeing from the market that led for buy now, pay later to exist was the requirement for having more flexible payment terms. Mm -hmm. uh, there is, in my opinion, no reason for a company to exist solely to offer buy now, pay later. Um, I talked to a, a founder in this space a little while back and, you know, the original benefit that he talked to me about was the speed in which they can do the underwriting. Um, so they don't need to do a full background check. They don't need to use a credit score, which was interesting. Um, but now, I mean, a few months later, we see what they're, they're talking to CFPB and they're like, oh, you know, it would be really cool if we had bureau data, you know, <laughs> and we'd love to be able to report when people don't pay. So, uh, that argument kind of fell flat. Um, the financial literacy is dwindling in the U S at, um, the, uh, in 2020 or 2021, FINRA did a survey, uh, to analyze, um, financial literacy. And we saw 
from people aging 24 to 35, I believe, which the age range, only about 17% were able to pass a financial literacy quiz. Oh my God. Um, and then to offer a tool that makes it easier to overspend, it's entirely against what we're working for with Momo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like you picked the right mission. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the consumer debt crisis is one of the biggest um, problems that, you know, we're just not focusing on because banks are making money off it. Let's go like one, one, one level deeper then. Like, what do you think about the upcoming recession? And then how can your product enable people, you know, to do better during these times? Yeah. So uh, when I actually started Momo, the pandemic first hit, I was working in federal sales um, wow. and uh, in Washington, D.C. Um, <laughs> and I recognized that the other option for me wasn't just go get a job as a bartender because bars weren't, you know, operating. Yeah. Quest so DC, it yeah. <laughs> led me to uh, very quickly, you know, figure out other ways. I opened this credit card. I went down the same path that many people go down, opened a credit card that a friend recommended to me and I didn't make any money on rewards. And I was like, well, what the hell? You know, <laughs> people are making tens of thousands of dollars. What did I do wrong here? It became really, you know, well-researched in the space. Um, and I would say, we're going to have to be more diligent with our money for sure. Um, there's going to be new market opportunities. And I think Momo is, you know, an example of one of these mm. um, that was born, you know, in the pandemic. Uh, I'd say focus again, very much so on building a business that does a thousand dollars in revenue before focusing on a business that does a million dollars in revenue. Um, yep. I think with companies like Fast, uh, that that's not the way to go. Um, you know, six hundred thousand dollars in revenue at you know almost a unicorn valuation. That that's not how you build a real business. And what we're yep. focusing on is building real businesses um, more so than we have been in the past. That's a really good answer. Really love it. Um... With Product Hunt, right, with Reddit, with a bunch of other channels, you obviously are exposed to global community and there are lots of people, you know, like living outside of the United States. But so far, you're offering only United States uh, credit cards products. I'm curious right. if you plan to expand and if yes, at what point? Yeah, um, so there's some uh, it, credit cards are different all around the world. Um, you know, the U.S. is a country that has gamification to the maximum level with credit cards yeah um, so it's a very natural starting point because there's a lot of need to understand what these rewards actually mean what the structure looks like uh in other countries you know in india this isn't the same structure that we're seeing um going international is definitely a plan for us and you know i think that even canada and mexico there's a really good opportunity for us um you, the uk had you know competitors like us you know already in existence uh, the UK with open banking was a little bit earlier than the US. Mm. So I think we're seeing some trends that can be applied to the US right now. Yep. Um, and yeah, so going international in the long run, absolutely. Um, in the near run, in the next, you know, 18 months, I don't see it as something on the roadmap. Got it. I'm, I'm curious if you can utilize some of the open data from the open banking in Europe to actually improve your models. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so very, uh, yeah, very much so. And even with outside of Europe, what we can do in the US is this is a trend that's happening and one that's long overdue. Mm -hmm. um, that at this point, banks will not get in the way of the government for, you know, requiring, which is good and a great transition that we're seeing. Um, that's a so, bold take. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an optimistic take, maybe. Uh, All right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I'm hopeful that I hope that's that's going to be true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm optimistic that it will be. Um, and even with Plaid, I mean, could you imagine years ago when banks, you were telling banks that every single person would be able to sign into their bank with any PFM tool that they're It was with? almost impossible to talk about this topic in years. Yeah. Like in exactly. Europe, it's like more open. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So as this trend continues to happen, there's going to be more data that we're going to have access to and more ways that we're going to be able to help our users. Um, and the UK, a more mature market in the space has shown, you know, that there's hope. Awesome. Great answers. We're almost at the end of our podcast. So um, any last words, any recommendations or advices to other consumer fintech founders in the space? 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll take a step back from you consumer fintech founders uh, and just go founders in general to start. Um, you know, if you're a founder, uh, I believe it's Rahul Bohr that said this, um, make sure that the issue that you're solving is the, the biggest issue in the world to you. Because if it's not, it is a long journey. Oh, yeah. It has ups and downs. Um, it's hard. Um, so if it's not an issue that you're super passionate about, the hard days will get the best of you. And when hard days start winning and you stop having fun with it, um, it becomes really hard to start a company. So make sure you're building a business that you really care about. Um, in the consumer fintech space, um, I'd say there's a huge opportunity to replace these legacy tools that aren't, you know, aligned with current business models. Um, even from budgeting, right? We see this natural adoption from users that were using Mint previously to going to tools like Monarch Money and Copilot. Um, you know, Mint offers the same functionality, uh, but now you're able to, you know, no longer be beholden to banks and advertise yeah. on your interest with consumers, uh, which hmm. is awesome. So I think there's a lot of other areas in the consumer fintech space that have opportunities for this. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been really Absolutely. a pleasure to know more about your business and how you're growing. Definitely good luck with your next launch and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. Great talking to you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Subscribe to Fintech First at awesomefintech.com.